0: Welcome to Bridging Chicago, a podcast that aims to connect our listeners to Chicago's business, community, cultural, and charity leaders, brought to you by the SATC Solutions Center. You can connect with us on Instagram or Twitter, where our handle is, at Bridging Chicago. For more information, including our email, visit us online at satcsolutions.com. Be sure to rate and subscribe to Bridging Chicago on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to this podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Bridging Chicago podcast. I'm Nathan, your host for today's episode, and I'm so excited to be joined by Teresa Goodrich, who... I don't even know exactly what to say you are because you're a lot of things, but I will say that you're an author because we're going to talk about your book today. Uh, and you have quite a few of them, but we're going to uh, talk about your book living landmarks of Chicago, because obviously it's one that a lot of our listeners will be really interested mm-hmm. in. Um, and so make sure that you, uh, you stay tuned for this episode through the whole thing because Teresa great and, um, uh, I have a feeling we're going to learn a lot from you today. So thank you for joining us, Teresa.
1: It is my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Oh. <laughs> yeah. I I have to start with where you kind of started with in your introduction. Uh, I, I read your bio. And <laughs> it's funny because you say, I've been telling people where to go since I was a little girl. <laughs> and I have to say, I have not seen another intro like that before. So, share with me what you mean by that, and because um, I, I feel like that has a lot to do with your story as well.
1: Well, um, I my job now. I mean, I own a site called The Local Tourist, and that's all about helping people figure out where to go and what to do. And then last March, I um, also launched Your Chicago Guide, um, and. So I just, I like to joke, so when people say, you know, what's your elevator speech? And it's like, well, I tell people where to go. (laughs) That's that's my job. I just, I tell people where to go. So put a little spin on it, but I've always uh, been like, oh, I want to go see this and I want to go see that. So that's why I I started at a very young age with, you know, I wouldn't say I'm bossy, but.
0: (laughs) You know, we don't like the term bossy because you're just authoritative and you're confident. And I think that's great.
1: Yeah. I've I've been.
0: Hmm. So, unfortunately, little girls used to be told they're bossy, and you know, it's it's just fine to be confident.
1: Yeah, and kind of, I was like, I saw horses. I want to see the horses. That's just <laughs> all, we're gonna go see that. So that's the way it was.
0: <laughs> but now that has obviously influenced a lot of what you do, and as you mm. said, telling people where to go, and, and really meaning like giving people highlights of what's around them. You know, I, we live in a city where Chicago has so many things to see and do. And yet I talk to people and they're like, oh, I've never been to this thing. And I've never been to that thing. And I'm like, mm-hmm. wow, you know, even in our own city, yeah, there's always so much adventure to go on. Can you remember in your childhood, was, was that, was adventure a part of your growing up as a little girl?
1: Yes, it's my, um, my dad was an artist, and so I grew up going to art fairs during the summer. And so that those were our vacations, but mm-hmm. it was fantastic because we just pile up into the back of the van and, you know, go on our, our road trips, you know, to Denver, or he exhibited at Disney, but that, or Lafayette, Indiana. I mean, that was, wow. those were our vacations for the most part, but it was fantastic because we got to see the country through, you know, through the window, windows. And then, of course, meeting all these artists was fantastic. So it was a wonderful childhood. But then when we were at home, when he didn't have art fairs and we just go on Sunday drives. And I don't know if people do that much anymore, but we would just we'd go for a Sunday drive and we'd uh, go hiking at local parks or I mean, you know, whatever nearby park mom and dad could find where we could go hiking. So it was just they wanted to get out and do things. All the time. And so I think that influenced me. And then my grandmother loved to travel and um, loved road trips. So it was, I just, I came by it genetically, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I have a
0: couple questions in that because I find it really interesting that your family were artists and really focused on art because I feel like that's not the norm really in society mm-hmm. where a lot of families. And not that one is right over the other, but it's like, you know, focus on your studies, focus on learning, you know, the science and the, the math and, and those yeah, kinds so. of subjects where art is underfunded in a lot of places and, you know, mm-hmm. unappreciated probably in a lot of places. So for you, how, like, did you see that in other people? Like, did you see them really getting the same creative Freedom at that age, and really learning a lot of the arts, like you were, or did you kind of understand that was different?
1: I understood that it was different, um, especially my parents met at music school, Indiana University um, School of Music. Dad was a trombone performance major, and my mom went for clarinet, and uh, so they had that musical background. And I, so I did understand that that was a little different, especially. Growing up in, um, I grew up in Terre Haute, Indiana, and uh, that was uh, definitely more of a focus on sports and more the STEM. Uh, but mm-hmm. then that's where I started playing clarinet. And then when we went to high school, mom mom actually became an accountant. So dad was the artist, and mom uh, became an accountant. She could be a CPA and a CIA, which is certified internal um, auditor. so... <laughs> Okay. It's like my mom's in the CIA yeah. uh, so she got um, she ended up getting hired by a company in Indianapolis when I was getting ready to start high school and they chose to move to Carmel, Indiana because specifically because of the music program because they knew that I love clarinet and uh, so that's I knew that was unique you know, yeah or maybe not unique but um, it's not it wasn't common
0: right And then did you feel like being able to express yourself creatively help you in other areas of study, even in those science and engineering and math portions, or even just in like Mm -hmm. critical thinking areas? Did you feel like that really helped fuel that as well?
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that just having that whole liberal arts education makes you so much more well-rounded and it does it fuels your curiosity so that you're more interested it's like well if you don't understand how something works then you have this curiosity it's like well why how does it work why why does it work that way it's like when i see let's speak bridge in chicago um, see the the bascule bridges downtown it's like how does that counterweight work and how does it, it was just i you i feel like having that kind of that more um wanting to Learn either through music or writing, which was has always been another passion of. It's been the core passion of mine. Yeah. Um, just kind of fueled my curiosity for everything else.
0: wanted to talk about your writing because obviously it's part of what you do now but it's also what you studied in college and for a lot of people figuring out what to study can be anxious making it can be nerve-wracking because it's like you're 17 or 18 years old or maybe older now um, and you're trying to figure out what you want to do with the rest of your life but for you it seems like that passion was already there. So is that the case? And and if it was, was college what you expected it to be? Or did you kind of learn a lot about yourself and about what your passions were at the time?
1: Well, uh, let's just say I went a non-traditional route. Um, and no, I mean, I knew when I was a little girl, I knew I wanted to travel the country and tell stories. I want to be a writer when I grew up. And I kind of lost the idea that that could actually be my profession, what I want to do. And when when I started playing clarinet and I just fell in love with it. And because we moved to Carmel and had such a great music program, I ended up following in my mom's footsteps and went to Indiana University for clarinet performance. Um, But I was there for one semester, and I thought, this isn't what I want to do with my life. Because I realized very quickly that to be a professional uh, performer, uh, especially in classical music, then you have to, I would have had to eat, breathe, sleep with, you know, clarinet. It was, that's all it was. And that's not what I envisioned my life to be. And for a brief time, I thought I wanted to be an attorney because mom told me that nobody could ever win an argument with me. So <laughs> like, She's like, you should be a lawyer. Cause nobody can ever win an argument with you. And I'm like, yeah. So um, I try, I thought about that for a little bit and I ended up getting married when I was twenty, left college, and then I didn't go back to college until a few years later. And um, then I went to Indiana University in Indianapolis, and that's when I mm. went back for journalism because that time away, and I, I have a tendency. I was like, oh, these bright shiny objects. It's like, well, I I was really good at clarinet, so I could be a professional clarinetist, and I'm you know really good at making a case, so I could be an attorney. And I had all these ideas, So, but then I realized writing was, and I, I knew it all along, but writing is my passion. It's who I am. I'm just, that's what I do. That's what I do and who I am. So that's when I went back to, to college and um, so finally graduated in uh, 1999 with my degree in, well, yeah, it was 1999, with my degree in journalism. And at first, I thought I was going to be an investigative journalist. I I had a favorite professor, and she was covering the war in um, in Zagreb, in Croatia, and she would come back to class and tell us. And so she was just this very passionate person. She just wanted to right the world's wrongs, and but as a journalist, she was doing it by finding telling the stories of people who couldn't tell it themselves. And I thought I wanted to. That's what direction I was going to take, and then I realized that. I, um, there's a lot of negativity in the world, and even though that's important, so vital to have people who are telling those stories, I want it to be more of a spread joy and happiness, and so took a while to figure you, out how to make that happen.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you mentioned what you do and who you are,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I think in some cases, you know, those can be separate, those can kind of marry together. And can you maybe explain a little bit about what you meant, meant by that? Because I find that really interesting, because some people would say, like, what I do is not who I am. And some people would say, you know, that that's very much one of the same. And so can you just share with us what that means to you? And sort of, if you feel like what you do isn't who you are, is that okay? And And how do you kind of? bring all that together.
1: Mm-hmm. I'll answer the last part of that first because I think it's absolutely okay. In fact, mm-hmm. sometimes knowing that this is I won't I won't feel complete unless I am writing unless I'm you know um, telling stories. And that can be in a way, it's not a burden, it's also freeing, but it's also a commitment. And it's also very hard for me to take any time off at all it makes, means I'm a workaholic. Uh, and every time we go somewhere, I'm like, "Oh, I want to write about this. It's like, it, so my job is also my life. And in many ways that is just incredibly fulfilling, but in other w- ways it does take over. So there, you know, I've had to develop hobbies like cooking because that's away from the computer and that's just something where I can be creative, but it's not my job, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Um, but I think that it's, you know, no, you don't have to be like that. You're not missing out on anything if you don't have that. This is who I am. Um, I. It's just something that, and my dad's an artist, and for him, it's whatever media he his mediums change. I mean, he officially retired, so now he's doing. Model trains in his studio, model railroad, but it's not. I mean, everything is meticulous, and he's building his own sets. And because he's an artist, and that's just who he is, and so he can't yeah. not be an artist. You know? yeah. And Mom's like, "Can you just sit and read for a little bit?" And he's <laughs> like, "Nope, nope."
0: <laughs> See, why did you retire? Yeah, <laughs> I'm still working. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I have learned from a lot of people. That kind of keeps them from doing something that they're really passionate about is fear. And I think we all feel that at different times where we fear will we be able to feed ourselves, feed our families, mm-hmm. will we be able to contribute to society in a certain way, will we be able to leave a lasting impression and to help people that, you know, in the way that we think will people understand what we're doing, will they get with it, will they connect with it. And, I, and it's one of the things that. Even when we started this podcast, we had to figure out, okay, what are what's the story we're trying to tell? Will people listen to it? Will it be worth the time? Yeah. And I feel like a lot of times we say maybe, or we say no, and we say I don't know, and so we don't go for it. Um, but for you, how do you face that fear and say, you know, I'm not going to worry about the outcome today. I'm going to go for it, and I'm going to believe that, regardless of if you know, 10 people read my book or a million people read my book, it was something that was worthwhile.
1: It's, I I give myself pep talks pretty much I every day. <laughs> so that's, um, I had gotten away from writing. I started, I created the site, The Local Tourist as a vehicle to hopefully figure out how I was going to write for myself, because um, I knew I didn't want to work for a paper and I knew I wanted to write for myself. And so I made choices based on that. So I waited tables in uh, downtown Chicago for my first several years after moving here. And because and that paid the bills. But that enabled me to figure out how I was going to you know, make this dream come true that I could write for myself and even when I left stopped waiting tables I mean I, I struggled and it's still it's I don't have that job security because I don't have a consistent you know this consistent salary that comes or the benefits that come with it but the trade off for me is non-negotiable at this point I'm I feel like I'm unemployable <laughs> cuz it's yeah. like I just I know this is this is what I'm supposed to do but there is definitely trade-off there's the working on the weekends there's the you know working basically all the all the time um but when you love what you do it's not work right as i say (laughs) but i just to how do i get through those fears um around in 2016 we i was on my we were celebrating my husband and i uh, we're celebrating our one year anniversary when we, we went camping and I'm an early riser. And so I got up and I just decided, you know what, I haven't written in my journal in years. And it used to be kind of my lifeline um, yeah. and then but I stopped doing that and I realized what I was doing with my work, with the local tourists, everything. I was just an admin. I was just managing um, events and I had a team of contributors and I was just managing them and I wasn't actually doing what I was supposed to be doing. I wasn't actually writing. And so I just began writing in my journal. And I, it was physically difficult because it had been so long since I'd written that I had to train myself not only to think differently by putting pen to paper, but also how my, you know, the physical act of writing and putting pen to paper and it, but I mean, I it was like riding a bike. I mean, it's not so that it was hard. It just, the thoughts didn't flow as well, but I, that became a daily habit. And it's still to this day, the first thing I do when I get up in the morning is I go to my journal and I write. And a lot of times it's, it may start off with, okay, I'm so frustrated. I've got this, that, and the other. And by the time I'm done, I'm like, you know what, you've got this, you can do that, this. And I, shortly after I started this journaling practice, I put on an index card, I am a talented and incredible storyteller and people love hearing my stories and I may, I inspire them to travel and explore through my words and images. And so I just put that in an X card and I put it next to my computer and it's still there to this day. And I, every now and then when I feel a little bit of fear or doubt, I just look at that and I'll say it out loud. <laughs> you know, I'll write it out again and I'll say it out loud and it's like, I have got this. So that's... <laughs>
0: I think um, journaling is really important to me as well. I, I learned so much about myself doing that. Yeah. Um, but the, I know a lot of people who struggle to find a creative outlet, who say they're not creative people. And even I, like, even before I started um, joining the podcast, I, I wouldn't have said I was a creative type, but mm-hmm. I've learned through doing this that you know, obviously this is a form of creativity and so yeah. doing interviews and, and sort of all the marketing stuff that we do with podcast is, is definitely a creative aspect. But for people who struggle to find their creative voice, because I think it does add a ton of value to life yeah. to be creative. Um, and so maybe even for like the, the person who works in a laboratory or, you know, someone who just doesn't think of themselves as a creative person. Are there exercises that people can do to sort of help bring that out or, or is there anything that you can suggest that would help people who don't see that in their own lives to, mm-hmm. to see that, yes, you are creative. You just do it in a different way.
1: Yeah. And I, I do. It's, it's so interesting. You said that because every, everybody is creative in their own way. And like even my, my mom insists as the CPA that, She's not a creative accountant, you know. She has to do creative, you know, but
0: no creative she, bookkeeping. <laughs> right.
1: Uh, but because of the way she sees the figures and analyzes the processes in, in businesses when and she um, she would visit, that is its own type of creativity. And a lot of people may not see that, but um, she she does. And I watching her taught me that yes, everybody is. Uh, is creative in their own way. Finding it, I, you know, it's the only thing I could recommend would be just experiment. I mean, take a, if something, if you see a class for something, maybe it's a cooking class, maybe it's a basket weaving class. And I know that's kind of a cliche, but I actually have a friend who does take basket weaving classes (laughs) and she loves it. So, I mean, or uh, I think that's why adult coloring books are all the rage now because yeah, they force you to stop. You're not doing anything except, you know, coloring and whether you choose to color within the lines or, you know, use um, the color that you're supposed to use or go a little crazy. That's entirely up to you. Puzzles. I think that's another thing. They're, they're so popular now too. And I think it's because it's, it's one, it causes you to to focus and it takes you out of everything that's happening outside of just what's right in front of you. And I think that those are both such wonderful ways to enhance that creativity um, and to find it in the first place.
0: Yeah. And given what we've all been through in the last year and a half, a lot of values have shifted in a lot of people's households. And so with that, we see people worrying less about things like they used to worry about, you know, Mm -hmm advancing their careers, maybe, or like getting the next best thing and focusing really more on the people who matter to you, your family um, and things like that. So with this, with everything that's happened in this last year and a half, has that, as you've reflected on your life and as you've kind of made the same shift as we've all made, has that changed the way that you look at work? or creativity and and if it has which i was i mean i'm guessing mm-hmm. it has because it's changed so many things um what is that change and then how did you kind of come about facing it accepting it and and like integrating that into your life moving forward
1: no um well in addition to the global health concerns i also had my own because last august i was diagnosed with breast cancer so that gut punch uh really had me step back and think what what do i what is my dream life what do i want my life to be how do i want to spend my time who do i want to spend my time with and just thinking um so it really, I mean, for a long time, I, I couldn't really work. I could write, but it was more just personal journaling. And I wrote about, i and I'm still writing about my experience uh, with the whole, with dealing with cancer. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's really brought me down to my core and what matters to me most. And thats And that's why, I don't know if a year and a half ago, I would have said, writing is who i am. Um, I, I didn't define it that closely and didn't define myself in that way but as i went down to my bare bones and thought okay and uh, sorry <laughs> it's um
0: no you're you're all right
1: if when you're confronted with something like that when you're confronted with your own mortality unfortunately mine was found very early and i I've already completed treatment except, I mean, I'm on a medication for the next five years, but chemo's done, radiation's done. And it happened within 10 and a half months. So relatively speaking, that's very fast. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, and my chance of survival was always very, very high because of when we, we caught it and the kind of cancer it was, but it's still that, like you know what you don't know you could just be going for some routine test and find out oh something that you've got this life-threatening disease and in the last year and a half we found a couple of friends have had stage four colon cancer and they're literally fighting for their lives and so watching them and how they're um how they're navigating their their own experience and every the struggles that they've had which are just so much you know there's no comparison because everybody has to deal with it in their own way. But I feel very fortunate that mine was so relatively easy to deal with, but it's still, it does make you look at what is important and it's Mm -hmm. family and friends and, you know, being, it made me look at my writing. It's like, what is my, um, what do I bring to the world when, by writing? Is that like you, to go back to an earlier question about how does that impact, what does what you do, how does it impact other people? And so that's something that I, I'm definitely considering now. And when I write, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm a storyteller. I've specialized in nonfiction and I, you know, bringing destinations to life. And I want to, I realize that I, what it comes down to for me is helping people create memories. That's through the, my travel writing. And then, with my with living landmarks uh, it's more about it's telling the stories of the people who made this city so it's 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 taking this three-dimensional uh world this building that you see and turning it into something that's more four-dimensional you know it's more there's more character to it and you learn why it was and and i'm not trying to you know just jump into promoting the book or anything. I'm just, but it's, I'm very passionate about it, about being able to tell these stories that it's not that. And I feel like that is what I'm supposed to do is like when you, because it's, it's more than just here's a story about a building or here's a story about a river or a park. It's, it comes down to when somebody reads that, are they transformed? Do they then feel this sense of wonder? So that's what I want to bring to the world is a sense of joy and a sense of wonder and curiosity, you know, and, you know, like we talked about how that curiosity helps foster your own creativity. And when you feel that curiosity, then you're more connected to others and to the world around you. So it's, it just snowballs.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I did want to talk about the book And, and you, you actually mentioned what I wanted to talk about because it's one thing to say, okay, here's a landmark here's why they built it here's when they built it Mm. you know and to kind of leave it at that in chicago is obviously a great city if you want to talk about architecture or history or landmarks um but in your book it's so much more than just here's a landmark here's why it's here and i think it's one of those things where you know a lot of people don't see that as as interesting all the time or as fun. Um, but I think you really bring out the spirit of. the Not just the landmark, but the spirit of the city and sort of mm-hmm. why the city is such a vibrant, uh, diverse, dynamic city. And I mean, storytelling is certainly a gift, and it's one that you obviously not only have you honed, but you've shared it with everyone. And I think that's great. Um, but can you tell me how you have seen other people connect with that? And do you see them? Because I've seen when we have, when we have guests come on and we'll ask them a question about something, uh, a part of their story, and they just kind of like, oh, wow, I, I didn't think you were going to ask me that. I'm so glad I get to share that with people. Mm-hmm. People want to share their story. People want to connect with others, they want, mm-hmm. you know, to give people that little nugget of information that they've learned, they, they want to help people be their best self. And I think in the same way that you're sharing the story of landmarks and of these, um, these lessons that you've learned, um, and, and soon we'll be sharing the story of your, your fight with breast cancer. Um, it, it's more than just telling the facts of what happened. It's, it's truly sharing a story and it's truly a gift. So have you seen people really connect with that and, and understand it for what it is?
1: Yes. Yeah, I, I've, I've heard that just knowing, because these these aren't just buildings. They didn't just appear out of thin air. People yeah. made that happen. And the they made it happen often through overcoming so many obstacles. And I've heard mm-hmm. the stories of, I had no idea how what a struggle it was for us to have Chicago Symphony Orchestra i mean yeah. it was just this and same thing with with lyric opera and these institutions that we hold so dear now and we think they've always been there and you discover through real you know these stories that no there were some incredibly dedicated people who made this happen and they made it happen through their own sacrifice, uh, and, or their own dedication. And, uh, I think that helps connect, um, when people read it and that I've been told that it helps them connect with the city and with these, um, the names you know like John Shet and Marshall Field and William Wrigley they're not just names on a building or of, an, uh, or of a museum anymore they're real people who had dreams and who failed and just got right back up and and you know continued and so being able to share those stories and have people have them resonate with people too with like you know i had no idea that wrigley lost his his fortune multiple times in fact that happened to a lot of the the you know business magnates that are in the in chicago's history it's like they lost their fortunes and they got them back and they lost fortunes so you see these it's it's not a straight line and that's just life life's not a straight line
0: yeah yeah and it it isn't for almost any of us really Mm -hmm. but um but we can see that in your life of that sort of just going with the flow and taking it as it comes sort of thing but um you were sharing with us about being a server to sort of make ends meet while you're trying to pursue your passion and so certainly you understand that there sometimes you just have to do the thing you mm-hmm. have to do the work to you know get to do this other thing that you're really passionate about and so you know, when there are challenges and whether it be, you know, making sure you earn enough money to, to survive mm-hmm. or challenges in your relationship or challenges in your health, you, you've had a number of these challenges. And when you see these challenges come along, how do you keep, and maybe even sharing with um, with your, your breast cancer fight, I mean, how do you keep from hearing that news and just being like, this is it. This is this is the thing. This is the big C word. And, and this is going to be what, you know, takes all this away for me. How how do you stand up to that and say, No, I'm going to decide that that's not it, that there's so much more after this?
1: Um, well, I think it's important. It was important for me, I can only I I am to Except, just feel it, feel the anger, feel the pain, the, not the physical pain, but feel the fear and the frustration. Um, but, and then to just decide, no, <laughs> this is not going to define me. And it's not going to, um, I'm, I'm not just going to give up. And I, I was, I was told every person on my medical team, as I kept saying, attitude is the most important thing. And I've, I've heard it. I've seen it. I've felt it. I've lived it. If you have that, that attitude, but it's also okay to be angry and be scared. And I had to allow myself to, to feel those negative feelings and be like, it's, it's okay for me to, you know, start kicking pillow shams and just screaming profanities because I'm so frustrated, you know, yeah. there's, it's, I've got the isolation from everybody's, everybody was locked down. And then I've got the additional isolation and my poor husband is dealing with this. And so it just seemed like everything was on hold, you know, as a travel writer, my career just, went, um, last March and, <laughs> uh, and my husband's a musician. And a performer. So his, you know, business went as well. So, so, and then we had this come up and yeah, maybe it would have been easy or to just say, well, I guess that's it. I'm just going to give up. And I'm, you know, and, but I thought, no, that's not who we are. That's not what we do. So I, I wrote about, and that's, that's part of how my, I came to the definition that I'm a writer because how I processed everything, how I processed all of this and was just to write it out. And that's what I would say. I was like, okay, I need to write this out. And sometimes I couldn't like when I first found out that I was, that I was going to have to have radiation because I didn't think I was going to. And when I found out, I couldn't write about it at first because I couldn't dredge into those emotions and those feelings. And, but then I started writing about it and something else that helped me was I wrote, I was very public from the beginning. As soon as I got my diagnosis, actually from the time I had the abnormal mammogram. Uh, but I just, I put it out. I just wrote and I, I shared it publicly on Facebook. I started writing, um, on a different site and it helped because the warm, arms of friends strangers acquaintances people i hadn't spoken to or seen in a decade you know they were just i was enveloped with kindness and love and so i think that that experience alone i i um i often say that i feel like i'm grateful in many ways for this because and would i know what i want to go through it no but because i just said this is what I'm experiencing and I'm, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It sucks, (laughs) but it's also, I'm, I'm seeing how kind people are and how generous and generous with their, with their love and their affection. And their you know, they're just putting the, their prayers, you know, putting their, their positive vibes out in the world. And I got to experience so much of that firsthand. And so that's, I couldn't just say, well, I guess that's it because, you know, yeah. I had a whole team of people say, telling me I've got it.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, I like that um, sort of facing up to it, you know, saying what it is, calling it out. I think a lot of times when we come up against challenges, we don't, we want to pretend like it's not there. We want to pretend mm-hmm. like it's not a thing and it's like, no, call it out, figure out what you have to do. You know start doing it and then the other thing that i really like is you mentioning these partnerships you know your husband partnering with you in this fight your friends your family um i also see that you partnered with the american cancer society and that you're now um, choosing to donate a portion of book sales to the american cancer Mm -hmm. society so can you share with us why you decided to partner with them and what they've done for you um to, to sort of encourage you and j- just share with us, you know, why that was important to you? Okay.
1: Well, they don't know <laughs> unless they've seen anything uh, I've posted on social media, but they, so we're not really partnered. I've just decided that I want to, because cancer was such a part of the book because I wrote it while I was undergoing chemotherapy that, um, or I wrote most of it, I should say um, that, and I had such encouragement from the team at the the cancer center too, that I thought I need to give back. And I was a direct recipient of what American Cancer Society does. And, you know, part of that is the research that they fund, but it's also getting a bag with these things that, you know, a chemotherapy patient uh, will might want or need when they're undergoing chemo. And you don't eat, eat you, you don't think about it. You don't know it. It's like sugar-free yeah. candies and um, a little blanket to, that you can have over you when you're undergoing treatment and just little, little things that you just don't think of it. You think about it and it's just um, given to cancer patients to make this time a bit more bearable and also to know that you're not alone and things like the, like the cancer center had a, um, a place where I could get wigs. And so the nurse navigator brought me some wigs to try um, so that, and then I could, because wigs are expensive. And so that's something that, you know, like American Cancer Society did. So I, I want to give back so that I can help fund what they do to, you know, help other people in this situation. Um, I considered possibly choosing a different cancer nonprofit every quarter. I'm still thinking about that. I know when we When we first, uh, well, I say we, because (laughs) um, the week, the Friday after I had my first chemo treatment, my husband and I shaved our heads because I knew I was going to lose my hair anyway. And uh, I had long, long curly hair. And I thought, you know what? I'm not going to wait for it to fall out because talk about demoralizing and uh, my hair basically, kind of define me. people would see me and say, oh, it's Teresa. I recognize you from your hair. Well, my husband, who is a saint, and, um, he shaved his head in, you know, solidarity with me. And actually his head is still bald. He's waiting until my hair grows back a little more. <laughs> <laughs> but we donated my hair to uh, uh, wigs for kids. So yeah. there'll probably be an upcoming charity that all. So we donated my hair and then I also did a fundraiser. But I just feel like it's... <sighs> if you can, then I, I want to give back in some way.
0: Yeah.
1: And I'm sorry, I don't tell short stories. <laughs> no,
0: you're, this is great. I'm, I'm just thankful that you're willing to be vulnerable and share with us because I think it, this is what people connect with. And I think, you know, we obviously want to celebrate people and we want to celebrate the wins, but you don't get to the wins without the challenges, without mm-hmm. the failures, And so too many times, I think, you know, it, it's, it's probably a product in some ways. I mean, it's always been there, but it's probably even more there with social media where you go on people's Instagram, you go on people's Facebook and you see all the wins. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes personally, it's like, I get to a point to where I'm like, what am I doing with my life? Like, why am I not yeah. as successful as this other person? Why am I still here in this spot when they're there in that spot mm-hmm. and this, um, comparing culture that we can get stuck in and especially with young people you know with the issues with bowling um that young people have to go through and even you know once you think okay you know i'm in i'm doing my career i don't have to worry about bowling anymore and all of a sudden you still have it there i think it's so difficult because we have such a comparing culture out there Mm -hmm. and i think it's it's important to hear that people have to fight to get to where they are, that people have to fail to get to where they are, because so many times I look at it and I say, man, I wish uh, I were doing that, or I wish I were better at that. And in reality, it's like, no, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be, yes. because you may see someone who's towards the end of the fight, you may see someone who has won the battle against this or that, mm-hmm. but number one, they're probably still going through another battle. And number two, they had to go through a battle to get to that place. And Mm -hmm. so I really appreciate people like yourself who come on and who say it wasn't easy, but you know, I just decided that I had to do it um, for myself, for other people, for whatever the reasons are, because they vary, but I just decided I had to do it. And I think, if if you can speak on that a little bit, this culture of social media where we see so many wins, we see so many highs and we don't see the losses for you. Have you experienced that in your life or have you talked to people who experienced that? And and what is that like for you?
1: It's especially with, you know, running a, a site, being a travel writer who publishes her own site. And, you know, there's the, um, expectation of of being you know on social media and especially instagram and um yeah. there's kind of a joke amongst travel writers about the whole okay they've got the woman looking away from the camera with the the flowing dress with this gorgeous and so you know they just all look the same and i thought that's not me that's never going to be me uh but i've um you know and i've struggled with the fact that i'm i'm overweight and i know that and i'm not you know a size tiny um so i didn't want to put pictures of me uh on you know on my social media on on instagram and you know for my for my site to uh promote it and i i thought if the picture isn't perfect i was you know if i did take a selfie or something i'm taking 20 selfies and yeah. it's like okay well no that doesn't look quite right and I, oh wait you can see that wrinkle and oh no you can see the the way my arm is not you know it's flapping or whatever but this whole experience when I started posting pictures of me bald and I even at one point I, I got shingles on my face and was right before I was getting ready to go to Alabama to teach a writing workshop and my oncologist actually said well at least he'll be wearing a mask I was like, <laughs> true very true yeah <laughs> but I am um, and fortunately it was a very mild case so uh but still it's like I had shingles on my face and I'm posting I'm doing Instagram stories uh which I'm totally inconsistent with but um and I didn't have the mask on and so I went I looked at it later and I feel like I owe an apology to anybody who watched it because I'm like oh my gosh I look my you know I've got shingles on my face it looks awful but I also realized that people don't you know, they don't care. I was so worried that I didn't look perfect before all this happened. And I'm like, Hey, guess what? Here I am with no eyelashes, no eyebrows, no hair. And people were kind and sweet. And she's like, Oh, you look great. And it's like, you know, you see the smile on the eyes and that's all they care about. Yeah. So that was a really big wake up call for me that comparing myself to, you know, anybody else is not I, you know, that's just, it's it's only doing a disservice to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and when people do that, when they like, well, I'm not where that person is, you don't know what they've been through. Like you said, you don't know what their challenges are. And, you know, maybe some people have, have this, you know, it's just easy, all you know, from start to, you know, the stratosphere or wherever they are, but mm-hmm. you don't know it. And it's unlikely because everybody has their own struggles. And so I think yeah. just being, knowing who you are and what you bring to the world and acknowledging that you bring something good to the world. And if you are not sharing it, if you are not doing what you're supposed to do, then you're keeping that gift from, you know, people who might need it.
0: Yeah. I think that's a really important point because, I think some people think they don't have a gift, but what it really is is they're just not sharing whatever gift mm-hmm. they have. So much, sometimes they don't even see it yeah. because they're just not sharing it. And I mm-hmm. think one of the biggest ways to really sort of celebrate that is to share it. And then you kind of go, wow, I, I did that, didn't I? I forgot I did that thing. And then mm-hmm. you started, oh, I did that other thing too. And, um, and I've seen that in people where it's like, no, you're a really awesome person who did really something really crazy uh, good. And you need to let people know because, you know, someone else Mm -hmm. wants to do that same thing, but they don't think they can. Um, And so I I I love, I love that.
1: And I don't think it doesn't like, my husband is um, a much more private person than than I am. Like he, if he were going through this, he would never have posted any of this publicly because that's just not who he is. And he's not comfortable with it. But he would share it with the people who are close to him. So when, you know, when you say maybe you don't owe it to the world to share, but I feel like you owe it to yourself to find out what it is that matters most to you and, and be true to that, Um, whatever that is, you know, maybe your superpower is just being a, a really good listener. And that's that's an amazing superpower to have. You know, it's it's different for everybody. But I think everybody brings something special to the world.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Tell us what is in the future for Teresa Goodrich, because um, I think, you know, it's what you've been through and what you've done is really cool, but not cool in the way of fighting cancer. But I mean, I think it's great, you know, what you've done. And so I want to hear about what the future uh, looks like for you
1: um, more writing more writing all <laughs> <laughs> Well um, I had previously published two um, travel logs tooling gems volume one and tooling gems volume 2 and those were about epic road trips my husband and I've taken to the Pacific coast and back and the idea was always to do we were going to travel the country in loops I uh, the first one was a southwestern loop from the Chicago area. The second one is about a, a Northwestern loop and then we were going to do Northeastern and Southeastern and then probably, you know, North and South. Um, that what the future volumes look like is going to change because we're not sure we want to do more of these month long adventures, but I'm going to continue this series um, and telling these stories. Cause the idea is we're telling, I'm telling the stories of, of the country and small towns and places that you, you might not think to visit, but are definitely worth visit these tooling gems. So that is, I'm seriously considering writing um, a a book about my uh, experience with cancer. I've, I've been, I've been told by a few people that, that I should definitely write a book. And so I'm, I'm considering that that's a possibility. Um, And other than that, I mean, I'm just going to, I'd like to, dip my toes into fiction at some point <laughs> so, okay well I just as long as I'm writing I'm happy I'm just I want to keep telling the stories I mean I'm still have stories that I um, am writing for the local tourists and then I'll have more stories like I would actually just took the Chicago um, architecture foundations river cruise this morning and wow. as we i was like oh i need to tell the story about that building and i need to know what that building's you know what's happened with that one because there's this okay right next to hotel julian is this little tiny squat little narrow building i'm like okay i need to know you know who was the architect when was it built how is it still there
0: you know? yeah <laughs> so, i have i have beef with hotel julian though what I took away my, i used to live um Kind of kitty cornered to it and it took away my view of the lake. Who has those <laughs> air rights? I want to talk to that person because now I can't <laughs> see the lake anymore. Just, you know, it happens in Chicago where you just, yeah. they're always building. So, yeah. Um, yeah, well, we can't wait to, to read some of those stories as well. I'm sure that people are going to be really interested in how to connect with you. So, can you share with us uh, all the ways that people can connect with you? Uh, and learn about what you've written and where to get those uh, books as well. And then how to uh, stay tuned in the future.
1: Well, um, my main site is the local tourist. And that's where I do most of my travel writing. Um, and then the my most recent book, Living Landmarks of Chicago. And the there's livinglandmarksofchicago.com. So you can find out more about the book there but for social media i'm at the local tourist everywhere i'm not as active on some platforms but that's that's my my handle pretty much anywhere and for my my uh, author site is teresalgoodrich.com and that's t h e r e s a l goodrich.com and that has um, the my four books cuz i also contributed to an anthology called midwest road trip adventures So, collaborated with uh 10 other midwestern writers and we we shared road trips in our respective states wow
0: (laughs) sounds so cool uh we can't wait to um to continue to connect with you and partner with you in the future because uh really cool things on the horizon so um thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story thank you for your vulnerability and you know, we know life isn't always easy. And so yeah. it's important to hear those things too. So we really appreciate that.
1: All right. Thank you, Nathan. Thank you so much. It was wonderful talking with you. And your questions are challenging. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we try and push a little bit because
0: we, you know, it's. I think some people are like, oh, I'm going to talk about all the good stuff. But it's like,
1: oh. yeah. you
0: know, it's good to share all those things. So uh, thanks again for joining us. And thank you to our listeners for joining us for this episode and for um, our previous three seasons now in our fourth season of releasing episodes you can listen to all those episodes at www.bridgingchicago.com and our handle is at bridging chicago on all social media so thank you for joining us and we look forward to hearing from you again here on the bridging chicago podcast Thanks for listening to this episode of Bridging Chicago as produced by the SATC Solutions Center. Nothing contained in this podcast shall constitute financial, investment, legal, and or professional advice. No professional relationship of any kind is created between you and the podcast host or guest. You are urged to speak with your financial, investment, or legal advisors before making any investment or legal decisions. Furthermore, the opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the opinions of SATC Solution Center, SATC Law, or any of its employees. This podcast is created by the hosts and guests' individual capacities. All opinions on this podcast are or have been rendered based on specific facts, under certain conditions, and are subject to certain assumptions and may not and should not be used or relied upon for for any other purpose, including, but not limited to, or use in, or in connection with any investment
1: purposes or legal proceeding.